My dear respected elders, brothers, sisters, dear listeners, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. My beloved, subhanallah, when these great stage events happen on the global you know, um, stage and definitely it affects every believer, every Muslim, every mu'min. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, we are one body. And when one part of the body ails, one part of the body feels hurt, the entire body cannot sleep. So now as a believer, of course, alhamdulillah, we feel the pain. We, subhanallah, at nights cannot sleep. We know the atrocities that is being carried out on what level? The hypocrisy in the world. What do we do? What do we do? And definitely many a times you will hear someone, a sheikh will tell you, someone will tell you, make dua. And then, subhanallah, it might seem it's just, you know, another repetition of just make dua. And we undermine dua. We look at dua as, you know what, okay, just dua. We picked up our hands, we make dua, what more? Let us understand when we're making dua what we are doing. We literally asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that, Oh Allah, I am falling short. I am falling short. Whatever is in my capacity, my ability, I am trying my best to do. But then beyond that, I don't have control. Oh Allah, I am asking you to take over from here. It's not a small thing, my brothers. It is us as a believing ummah, trusting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and beseeching Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, many a time people will say, you know what, I'm making dua for a certain thing, for probably I'm making dua for Palestine or whatever, for the last 10 years, 20 years, but nothing is happening. My beloved subhanallah, this world is not warranted that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala needs to act immediately. First of all, he's Rabbul Alameen. He's not answerable to us. We are servants, we beseech, we ask, we beg. Allah Ta'ala can give, He doesn't want to give, or He reacts in different ways. But Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala is not bounded by anyone to react immediately. And there's reasons why. Because this world is a Darul Imtihan. It is a, a place of tests. It's a place of trials. If the perpetrators are not allowed to do the wrong they do, then how will they deserve Jahannam? You know, if a person kills one person in this world, that is why this world is not Yawmul Hisab. It's not the day of resurrection. It's not the day of taking to task. This world is Darul Imtihan. It's the world of action. Al-Hisab, justice, to a certain extent, sometimes Allah Ta'ala grants in this world. But to a great extent, Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala preserves it for the year after. And I'll tell you why. If a person kills one man, one man, right? That person's life probably could have been 50 years, 60 years, 70 years. So what are you going to do with this man? You're going to execute him. And hence, you repaid him by taking his life, depriving him from 60 years because he took the 60 years of this man. But then you get people that killed not one, two, thousands of people. And they never just kill, but they tortured. Now, how can taking one life of one man be a proper retribution for taking so many thousands of lives and being behind such mega mischief? And hence, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has kept. When you open the Quran and you recite the verses of Jahannam and recite 
the verses of the various dungeons of Jahannam. That certain dungeons actually ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to save it from other dungeons. Jahannam fears itself. Jahannam fears itself. Nabi Kareem went for Mi'raj and he said, Every angel seen me, he smiled. Except he asked Jibreel that there's one angel seen me, he never smiled. He frowned. He was scary. He was angry. He said, Who is that? He said, Malik. Malik is the Khazana, the treasurer of Jahannam. Nabi Kareem was told by Jibreel, The man or the angel cannot smile. Allah has created him only to frown and to scare the inmates of Jahannam. He does not have the choice to smile. My beloved, subhanallah, laha sab'ina alfa zimamin, 70,000, 70,000 chains, and every chain will be pulled by 70,000 malaika. So 70 times, times 70,000, these are the huge, big malaika, the zabaniya, they will be pulling Jahannam, imagine its size. A rock was put from the top. It took 70 years for it to reach the bottom. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created it in phases. So this is Jahannam when you read. If I go into the ayat of Jahannam and the severity, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says they will not be living nor will they be dead. They will be semi in between. And when you read that and then you think, what can a man really do to deserve all this? And then when you're seeing what is unfolding in the world, you realize there are certain people, there's no answer for them except the fire of Jahannam. So my beloveds, let's not underestimate our dua. Dua is powerful. And I'll tell you something. You, more than your dua is a benefit for those brothers and sisters, that dua is a benefit for you. Because when you're making dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's raising your status in his eyes. Besides that, my beloveds, it's on whose side you are. It's on whose side you are. It's what you are written. You know, when subhanallah, when the muslimin I need and the mu'mineen I need, on the day of qiyamah, this file will be brought out. And as how I'm speaking to you today, the malaika will speak to us that this was a fight of haq and batil. And whose side were you on? And at that moment in time, my beloveds, when your du'as come forth, and when your sadaqahs come forth, and when your fasting come forth, and when your little ways of voicing your opinions come forth, then we will know whose side you are on. That will register you on the day of Qiyamah to say that, Ya Allah, when my believers were in trouble and they were in pain and they, in hardships, I was not selfish. Ya Allah, I in my own way tried to do. You know when Ibrahim wasalam, was being thrown in the fire, they hurled him in the fire. And as he was flying in the fire, there was one small little animal. It's known as the lizard. That lizard could not do much harm, but because it has nastiness in itself, it thought that how can I bring some harm to Ibrahim salam? So he began to blow on the fire. <laughs> what does the blow of what does the blowing of a lizard harm the fire or enrage the fire to harm Ibrahim salam more? 
In actual farm terms, a fraction of a fraction of a fraction, meaning no difference made. But by him blowing, he showed on whose side is he. By him blowing, he registered whose side is he. I am on Namrud's side, I'm not on your side, O Ibrahim. And still today, we are told in Hadith Sahih al-Bukhari, that these lizards, they have a nasty outlook on life, and they harmful, hence kill them. And subhanallah, in Bukhari Sharif, if you kill a lizard on the first attempt, you get, you get 30 reward. You get 30 reward on one hit, and the second, then 20, and if you hit it on three times, it's 10 reward only, because now you're making it suffer. You're supposed to kill it at once. So subhanallah, there are certain things which bring harm. Allah knows. It's on whose side you register. As a believer, no matter how bad you are, no matter how low you are, no matter what sin you have, but when my Muslim brother is in need, I will put away all my personal vendettas. I will forget all my past stories. He's a believer. He says, La ilaha illallah. I will be at his avail. Hajjaj bin Yusuf, who was he? Hajjaj bin Yusuf was a notorious bloodshedder. Hajjaj bin Yusuf was, you know, a, a crazy, we'll say a crazy man. He would just do anything, he would just... But subhanallah, when there was a young girl by the name of Nahid and her brother, they were taken by pirates and they were brought off the Sindh border or the Sindh shore, the coast, and they were put in uh, prison. She cut herself and she took the blood and she wrote a letter to Hajjaj bin Yusuf. How is it that the Muslims sleep peaceful at night when one of their own, their daughters, are being imprisoned by the non-Muslims in a far-off land that woke up. Yes, in between we fight, we kill, that is fine between ourselves. But the izzat and the honor of a Muslim, how, is it, how can a foreign person or a foreign land steal our daughters and then treat them how they are? What do they think we are sleeping? Immediately Hajjaj bin Yusuf, with all the bad he done, he summoned an army from Damascus. And amongst them was his own nephew, Muhammad bin Qasim. And he sent this army that was so great and so huge that it is said that three days after the army left, the last few were still in the city. They just, three days it took for the army to actually leave. And then we know Muhammad bin Qasim came into Sindh, which today is Pakistan. It went through Sakkar, it went through Subhanallah, right coming up to Lahore, going to... All these places, Islam was given to them by Muhammad bin Qasim. And we know the justice that he, alhamdulillah, brought to those lands. That the local people loved him. They did not want him to move. All this happened because he went on the command of Hajjaj bin Yusuf because of the cry of one girl. How more dead can we become? Can our leaders become more miserable and more low than the Hajjaj bin Yusuf of the time. That not one, millions of women are crying today, but not anyone to lift a finger. Millions are crying, but no one to lift a finger. Now I'll tell you why. You see, what did the, you know when I say, and the shuyukh say, don't take riba, don't take riba, don't take riba, there's a reason for it. The riba is something that was made by the Jews. It was manufactured in the lab. And why did they manufacture it? 
to make the poorer poorer and the richer richer. And when they might not own you as a person, slavery is abolished, but when you got a mortgage of 500,000 and 800,000 to a Jewish bank, they own you. Your life is for them. And what they done, they crippled all the Muslim countries with these debts. We'll give you better infrastructure. We'll get you more planes. We'll get you, subhanAllah, better airports. And most of the money is not even used for the infrastructure. It's unfortunately people in the government that is usurping that money. And millions and millions are being taken from the World Bank. And all these countries are crippled. They are crippled with debt. And hence they can't open their mouths now. If you open any channel on the U.S., it's Israel, it's Israel, it's Israel. In one of our own Muslim countries, whether it's Pakistan, whether it's Indonesia, whether whichever country, open it. It will be the local news and then just one or two lines on the Palestinians. They cannot make it the main news. They cannot run with the story. They cannot incite the Muslimin to stand up for their rights. Why? Because they have someone who is their boss above. You open your mouth, you know you owe us so many millions, we want it right now. They have, subhanAllah, silenced the ummah. From Indonesia, going up to Bangladesh, coming to Pakistan, Iraq and Iran, come more down, Oman and Yemen, all your Gulf states, including the UAE and Bahrain and Kuwait and Qatar and going down to Saudi Arabia, up to Syria, to Jordan, to Lebanon. So many Muslim countries come to your left down there. You got, mashallah, Egypt, Libya, Tunisia, Morocco. My brothers, you have a string from one continent going, subhanAllah, through the whole world, right up to the left side of Africa. A huge, momentous, big chunk of Muslim countries. There's so many million Muslims, over a billion Muslims, that if they even spit at Israel, every person, Zionist, will drown in the spit of the Muslims. They will drown in the spit of the Muslims. Yet one small country that's hardly a quarter of the size of Victoria can bully all these Muslim countries. That today we cannot get our aid from Egypt into Gaza because the Israelis say no. We have convoys waiting on the Egyptian border, but we can't go in. It's an Egyptian border with Palestine, got nothing to do with Israel, but that small little country of Israel says, you cannot open your border, Egypt is shut. Okay, we'll wait for Israelis to say when we can go in. What has made us so weak? As an ummah, we are weak because we love materialism. And that's why they could not point a finger to King Faisal. And when they told him that we want Palestine, what did King Faisal tell them? He said, on my dead body, you will get even an inch of, of Palestine. I will die, but I will not give an inch of Palestine. And when he said that, subhanAllah, they began putting sanctions on him. And he said, okay, you want to put sanctions on me? You need oil more than anyone else. He stopped oil from the Western world. And what did the West tell him at that time? The West told him 
that, O oh, King Faisal, if you do not open the oil, then we will come and we'll bomb your oil fields. You will not be able to enjoy it yourself. And you know what he said? The man of Iman said, you can come and bomb my oil fields. Prior to us finding the oil, our people lived in the desert and they survived on milk and bread. And we will survive on milk and bread. We don't need all your modern technology to make us happy. So to damn you and your technology and your oil, go. We will live on the basics of the earth, but we will live with our heads high. We will live with izzat and honor, rather than subhanallah using your cars and your electrics and your technology, but living the life of slavery. My beloved, subhanallah, in the end of the day, Allahu Akbar. I don't agree with what Hamas done. Certain things, the deen does not agree if you go and kill children. Who, who, who says you can go and kill children? I don't agree with what. But if Hamas is the problem, don't be two-faced. Don't be two-faced. Don't be a munafiq and a hypocrite. If Hamas is the problem and you're using Hamas as a scapegoat to kill the Palestinian people, then the West Bank has no Hamas. The West Bank doesn't have Hamas. Take Hamas out. Our, our small little Australia, mashallah, they're the first ones to say, you know what, anyone that speaks against Hamas will be interrogated because Hamas, you know, they are... They, they, okay, okay, fine, 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 no problem. We, we, we will not support us of Hamas, right? You take Hamas out of the picture. The West Bank doesn't have Hamas. But yet 7,000 people you killed in West Bank? In the last few years, 1,300 children have been killed in the last two to three years in the West Bank. Where's Hamas? So if you've got a problem with Hamas and you say, I'm going into uh, Gaza to clean Hamas, I've got no problem with a Palestinian. Then why you ban the Palestinian flags everywhere? Why when our sportsman wants to wear the Palestinian flag, you pull him out and you say you cannot, subhanAllah, represent us because you wear the Palestinian flag? He's not wearing a Hamasi flag. He's wearing a flag of Palestine that was there before Israel. Qaida Azam of Pakistan. Subhanallah, I'll tell you something. You see, this Jewish people, Islam is not against the Jewish religion as such. Of course, in the, se in the sense of Islam says, Tawheed is there. La ilaha illallah, Muhammadur Rasulullah, this is the right way. But it's not against the rights of other people living in harmony. La ikraha fiddin. There's no compulsion in religion and everyone has to accept one religion. And the proof is in his pudding. The Jews stayed under the Islamic rule, under the Ottomans. Read the history when they came to Morocco and they were being bombed by, we know, Germany. It is the Moroccans that opened. Till today I went to Morocco, there are several streets named after the Jews. They were given refuge. They were treated with royalty. When they were chased out of Europe and they were on boats for several months roaming the oceans looking for a place of refuge, where was those people that are screaming Israel today? Why did the UK not take them? Why did America not take them? Why did the European Union not take them? 
It was the Muslims that opened the doors and said, you come and you stay here and you can have a home with us. My beloved, subhanAllah, Islam is not against any religion as such. Yes, Islam records the history of what they done in the Quran. Yes, you kill 300 Nabis in one day. We won't forget that. What is to kill children? They kill 300 Nabis in one day. Islam will not forget that they are sworn by the tongues of Dawud and Sulaiman and every Nabi of the Bani Israel because of the hardships and the pain that they done to their Anbiya. That's history. But you as a Jew living today, you have a chance. And there are many Jews that prove themselves that they're even against the Zionist state of Israel. Who don't say they're all the same. There are some of them there are some that you give a, a coin to, he'll pull your whole hand, he'll steal everything from you. Quran is saying. And there are some that if you give them a heap of gold and come after 100 years, he'll give it to you as it is. There is no proof in history that any Nabi, subhanallah, who was non-Israelite, got married to a Jewish lady except Muhammadur Rasulullah. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa got married to Safiya radiallahu anha and proved to the world we are not against the Jewish people. My own wife, the blood of a leader of the Jews, Huyay bin Akhtab, who killed Sahaba, the Prophet forgave and got married to her. Abdullah bin Salam was the greatest rabbi of the Jews. Nabi Karim sallallahu alayhi wa sallam made him a Muslim and he became one of the greatest narrators of hadith in the Islamic tradition. There was a Jewish man that came and he wanted a place to stay. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam gave him his own home. At night the man messed the bed. In the morning he ran away. When he came back to fetch his bag, he found the Prophet on his fours. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was cleaning the mess the man made that night. The Prophet humbled himself to clean the excreta of a Jewish man that slept in his house. The Prophet married from the Jewish clan. The Prophet when he came to Medina, he had no intention to drive them out. He kept the Banu Nazir, he kept the Banu Quraiza, he kept the Banu Qaynuqa. But after time, each one of them proved treacherous. And after they killed the Muslims and they maimed the women folk, the Prophet was forced to drive them out. My beloved, subhanallah, when they came to Palestine, read the history of how the Muslims opened their hearts. They gave them food. And what they start to do? They start to buy plots. They start to buy plots. And as they were buying land, the ulama at that time, the fatwa is even recorded in Al-Imdadul Fatawa in the 1940s. So what Qaeda Azam said? Qaeda Azam said that this Israel is the illegitimate child of the West. Is the illegitimate child. Three things happened in that century, in that decade. One was the slaughter of the Muslims in India. One was the dismantlement of the Khilafat of the Ottomans. And one was, subhanAllah, the birth of the state of Israel. And my beloved, subhanAllah, you know what Nabi Karim said in a hadith? That the beginning of the building of Al-Aqsa, Aqsa is, you know, subhanAllah, very, very simple. In those days, Aqsa was nothing but just farmland, teen and zaytun, that's what you get. 
بلد وهذا البلد الامين واز مكه المدينه so مكه المدينه واز بيلت اب اند اقصى واز ناثينج بت فارم لاند ذا بروفيت صلى الله عليه وسلم said the day aqsa is built up and becomes buildings that's the start of the downfall of medina meaning the arab lands are going to go israel is not there israel is not there to just have a small place to stay they started they started to buy the lands of the palestinians and what they told the palestinians you can get $10,000 for this we'll give you 30,000 So a lot of people, I was the imam in Brazil for many years and half of my congregation in the masjid on Jum'ah were Palestinians. Most of them sold their lands back in Palestine for high dollar in the day. And they came to South America to buy big, big lands, 70 acres and 100 acres of lands. But unfortunately, this was an entire scheme to get the Arabs out as much as possible and buy big chunks of land until when they came as a union together and they bought kilometers of land they could slowly push the arabs back and back until subhanallah they pushed them to the west bank and to gaza as we see today my beloved subhanallah the same thing is being used in india in kashmir where the government is bringing hindus from other parts of the land and allowing them to buy land in kashmir what what is the reason to bring so many Hindus to outnumber the Muslims. My beloved, subhanallah, the love of wealth. Because we're getting a little bit more money, we sell our land. And coming back to the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, my time is limited again, and I cannot, subhanallah, take any angle that I've touched upon and elaborate. But this is burning our hearts as an ummah. What we're seeing on the televisions and what we are reading and what we are seeing is breaking our hearts. Let us make dua for them, definitely. Let us support them, inshallah ta'ala, financially. But one thing I leave you with. Let us make istighfar from our wrongs. Let us change our lives. My brother, you can go in the city and you can rally. My brother, you can give $10,000 right now to Al-Aqsa. My brother, you can go on nights and make long duas. But if you living your life like those Jews, then I don't think there's much of clout in what you're doing. We need to prove to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we, as much as we don't like the Zionists and their ways, we will leave their ways. People talk about boycott, let's boycott. Okay, alhamdulillah, I'm not saying no. But then let's be true to ourselves. Who's helping Israel? America and the UK. So then let's boycott all American goods too, and UK goods too. And I mean, if you really want to be serious, there's more Muslims killed in China by the Chinese. The Uyghur Muslims are going through so much. So then boycott Chinese goods too. My brother and sister, you cannot leave your soapy at night. You cannot leave your TV. You cannot leave your coffee from McDonald's. And you're talking about boycotting, then you have to boycott all these people. Your life will be in turmoil. We're not ready for it. Rather, I'm not saying don't boycott. If you can, alhamdulillah, that is there. That is iman. But more than boycotting products, boycott the ways and the lifestyle of these people and try to come back to the sunnah. And by coming back to the sunnah, insha'Allah ta'ala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give us ease and the ummah ease, insha'Allah ta'ala. I'm appalled. I'm really appalled. People call me for 
nikahs. First of all, you make the nikah in the masjid. If there's a new trend now, we must make the, 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 the nikah in the hall. So they play, the, 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 the imam is like a, you know, a little puppet. Bring the imam there, pay him $200, and let the imam wait there like a puppet. And then what you do is then they play the full Bollywood movie, the Bollywood music. And then the bride walks in. Half of the time, no hijab. Right? And then she must sit there. And then they get all her friends to give long, long speeches about her. All ghair mahram men, Allah did not allow to take a woman's name in the Quran out of respect for a lady. The only lady's name was taken in the Quran was Maryam alayhi salam. And that was because they made shirk with Allah and they said, Jesus is his son. He said his mother is Maryam. Other than that, Allah never take one lady's name in the Quran out of respect and modesty. Don't even take the lady's name. In front of a crowd of 500 people, everyone is telling the intimate clothing and intimate secrets of this girl in front of everyone. Where is our respect and our honesty? And then we want to stand and rally and say we want, you know, subhanallah, Palestine, Palestine. We're selling our modesty. And then the sheikh must go on top of that stage and stand next to the bride with hundreds of women without scarves and say, Surah Al-Fatiha. So what, you just want the endorsement that all this is right? We are watching too much dramas. We're watching too much Bollywood and Nollywood. We are taking our example in the wrong place. If you call yourself a Muslim, then you need to live like a Muslim. And then you will see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's happiness and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's barak. Otherwise, subhanallah, we are paper Muslims. We call ourselves Muslims, but our lifestyle is copy-paste from the kuffar. May Allah ta'ala grant us all tawfiq. And make us a true mu'min nation, inshallah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And bring us aligned to what we're supposed to be doing, inshallah ta'ala. May Allah Ta'ala relieve this Ummah. May Allah Ta'ala help our people in Gaza. May Allah Ta'ala open their way and make us an Ummah of Istiqamat and Taqwa. Wa akhiru da'wana nilhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.